Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of the things I really miss, and I won't pretend I don't, is the old school National Signing Day. I guess at times I'm probably just a little bit guilty of being old school, maybe excessively old school in a lot of things, but, but there is... But there is something I kind of miss about National Signing Day the way that it used to be when everybody inked in February, when all those letters of intent came in on that one day. Don't really love it in December. I think there's a chance over the course of the next couple of years that might actually change. But, you know, for now, the February version of National Signing Day has become a little bit of an afterthought. Most of the work gets done in December. Georgia also got a big announcement at the beginning of this month, near the beginning of this month, when Ernest Green, the four-star offensive lineman, made his public declaration of Georgia after having signed with the dogs there in December. Great-looking four-star offensive lineman. But there is still a little bit of intrigue left in regards to what can happen for Georgia next Wednesday on National Signing Day. And off the top of the program for a couple of minutes, I want to spend some time on that right now. Georgia is in hot pursuit, it would seem, of a very good-looking, very highly rated defensive line prospect, Christian Miller, out of Miami. A couple of things I want to show you from social media recently as it relates to Miller and then kind of a bigger picture thought about how all this fits together. First of all, Miller, I think, is slated to be at Miami for the final weekend before you go dead to start the month of February, before actually everybody signs there on Wednesday. This leading into those final days to be able to recruit. In fact, Miller recently shared on social media a little bit of a photo there with uh, Mario Cristobal, brand-new Miami coach, being in home with Miller. Now, I still think this is probably more Georgia-Ohio State than anything, but interesting to see you know Cristobal they're going in home, trying to work their way in with Christian Miller at the end of this process. Also, a big smile on the face of Miller. He's a great personality, the kind of guy that you want in this class. And by the way, you know, not only are the Georgia coaches right now doing everything they can to make their pursuit of of Miller and trying to make all that happen, but you've also got you know parents of Georgia signees trying to do their thing on this too. One of the things we all love, and we've always been this way. This goes back to kind of the early stages of Dog Nation and even really kind of the advent of of social media as a big medium to to follow the world of of recruiting. We love these Georgia recruits that themselves become Georgia recruiters. And every now and then you have these parents that also become kind of famous for the same kind of thing. Think about, you know, Chris Milton and his family when uh, Kendall Milton first came to Georgia or you know, uh, uh, some of the various mothers, I remember, you know, Rachel Count's family, the way they kind of all, all kind of got energized by all this. Uh, obviously, uh, MJ Sherman's sister a few years ago. You know, George is such a big platform for players that sometimes even the family members of some of these players become pretty famous all the way around. That was really funny the other day, Mary Delp, the mother of Oscar Delp, who's you know, there's a great story, by the way, with Jeff Sintel and her at DogNation.com, also kind of giving you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at how much fun a, a visit to Oscar was for UGA. And if you want kind of a behind-the-scenes account of what was going on with the Delp family and uh, uh, Kirby Smart, which is always kind of interesting to get a window into Kirby Smart in some of these kinds of things, she gave you some of that there as well. She's just a very big personality, very big fan of UGA, very proud of her son Oscar, the fact that he's got a chance to come to Georgia. She was also out there pushing for Christian Miller the other day on, on Twitter too. I think we have this we can show you. Uh, she says in regards to him, you know, talking about maybe going to Miami, something like that, stop it, Christian, come home. Oscar's waiting along with the entire dog nation. I've already included you in my Thanksgiving dinner plans. Uh, she says, uh, don't... <laughs> It's me off. Very, very funny stuff there from uh, Mary Delp, obviously making her push there for Christian Miller. Dog fans certainly like to see that. And I would assume that Georgia's in 
pretty good spot with Miller. I, I don't know that means I'm really to rubber stamp, and I don't do crystal balls, things like that. I trust other experts kind of do that thing. But I feel pretty good about where things stand with George and Christian Miller. And a lot of this kind of centers back around on something that Connor Riley and I talked about yesterday. You know, I started yesterday's show by saying, hey, if you look at the reasons why, Georgia won the national championship in 2021. Of all the things you could put on that list, the thing that might be at the very top of the list for me was Georgia putting an elite pass rush together, 49 total sacks, and how impressive that was. And we spent a good bit of time off the top of the show yesterday addressing what Georgia needs to do to replicate some version of that for next season. And when Connor came on, I thought he brought up a really good point that I was kind of looking at this, kind of looking at that, and he's like, B.A., you got to remember now, the big thing that's absent from Georgia in 2021, com- in 2022, compared to what was there in 2021, are what could be three first round defensive linemen. Jordan Davis almost certainly will be. Trayvon Walker, I would say, definitely will be. Uh, Devontae White, I think, has a really good chance himself of also being a first round defensive lineman. That is an unbelievable haul of, of very impressive defensive line performance off this Georgia team here this year. And it's also quite a remarkable turnaround. I mean, one of the things I think was kind of a f- point of negative recruiting against Georgia for a good pretty good while was that Georgia had a little bit of a drought in the NFL draft when it came to defensive linemen that's about to change in a very big way Wyatt Davis Trayvon Walker are about to kick through the door of the NFL draft all three have a very strong chance of having especially in the case of Davis and Walker but all three have a very strong chance of having their names called on the first night that Thursday night there from Las Vegas and all of a sudden now This becomes a really good brand for Georgia to try to extend into the future. If you could tell me as a Georgia fan, if I could tell you as a Georgia fan that in the future, Georgia's going to keep looking to build the best defensive line in the country each and every year, that'd be the kind of thing that I would say would put you on the front steps of being able to compete for a national title each and every year as well. And that's kind of what this class for Georgia kind of has the little bit of the of the makings of obviously a lot of attention on a guy like Barry Alexander and f- finishing off with a guy like Christian Miller gives you a chance to think about that same thing there as well. Now, one more thing related to recruiting. There is also another big name that's kind of in the mix. Georgia had a chance to host Shamar Stewart this past weekend. Um, you know, Stewart has not really been thought to be a Georgia lean. That's probably more of a Miami thing, more of a, a Texas A&M thing. But Georgia did get a chance to to host him on campus. My assumption is they'll also be in home with him here this week, too. Shamar put on Twitter, going back to his visit to UGA, kind of giving a shout-out to UGA, said, had a good time in Georgia, but now I'm back home. He says, Miami, what's up? And obviously Miami is one of the schools that he's thinking about attending. And I don't have any new information right now that would lead me to tell you that that anything all that different is going to work out with uh, – with with Stewart and Georgia now different than it was. But I will reiterate something I said on Friday when Jeff Sintel was on the show. Now, this is a little bit of a crackpot theory, but my theory uh, just a bit is that um, how you recruit a player that you know you're not going to get does tell me a lot. The same way you don't want a player to ever take a playoff that you want a wide receiver to run a hot, you know, uh, you know, crisp route, even if he knows he's not going to get the football or you want, you know, edge rusher to to go hard on every single play even if he knows he's not gonna have much of a chance to rush the passer on that particular snap that particular rep you just want everybody going hard on each and every play 
you know, Georgia going hard on every play here too, even for a guy like Shamar Stewart, who they are not a point spread favorite for, I think would say something about, you know, UGA's willingness to just kind of go all out on every recruit. I don't even just mean from the standpoint of, hey, you never know how the transfer portal is going to work out, although I guess you never quite know that either. I just mean that that the hallmark of Georgia under Kirby Smart has been this 100-mile-an-hour, no days off, maximizing every opportunity when it comes to recruiting. And, you know, a guy like Shamar Stewart's maybe also an example of that, even though ultimately Stewart's decision may land him in College Station, Miami. Certainly Georgia does not appear to be slowing down its recruitment of Shamar, which I think speaks well to the program all the way around. We'll do more recruiting stuff on Friday when Jeff Sintel joins us. Also, Jeff's got Before the Hedges presented by Kroger and I. Hope you will check that out. Let me kind of briefly, though, shift gears to this. And I guess you can sort of file this away in terms of um, just sort of fair and balance. We have talked a lot about Jermaine Burton this week. Yesterday when uh, it was the aftermath of what McCall Hardman had said about that, we obviously made a big deal about Hardman's words because, frankly, Hardman, I think, spoke for a lot of Georgia fans when he said, how are you going to leave the team we just beat after you just won the national championship? I think Hardman's words were soothing to a lot of UGA fans, made them feel less crazy about, about the whole story because – just some of this just feels like a lot to process at one time. And McCall Hardman, I think, spoke for a lot of Georgia fans when he said what he said on Instagram. But as a way of being as fair as possible, because, listen, I, I don't want to just have the only viewpoint that ever gets expressed on this show be my own. I, I want to try to reflect other things there as well. So the same way in which Jermaine Burton had touted himself uh, on uh, social media saying, basically, this is my career. This is my chance to do whatever I want to do in response to something that 24-7 Sports put out. Uh, former Georgia uh, defensive back Eric Stokes kind of said the same thing. So while we've expressed a little bit of frustration that Burton is going to what we view as Georgia's arch nemesis to help the team that Georgia just beat for a national championship, that feels a little too weird for us. I, I do want to show a little bit of support here for what Eric Stokes said, because Stokes kind of argued more in favor of Jermaine Burton. Let's at least be fair on that. Let me let you see this here. So Eric Stokes, who everybody likes, obviously a fan favorite, a former great player, Georgia says, when the question is asked, do you agree with uh, with McCole Harmon, what he said about Jermaine Burton? Eric Stokes says, no, I don't agree with that, that Burton's doing something that he thinks is best for, and he puts this in all caps, his career. So why should you uh, be worried about somebody else's choice? He says, stay in your lane. So Stokes actually coming back pretty hard. I don't know if that's coming hard at 24-7 or coming hard at Hardman. Maybe it's just more the 24-7 tweet, but pretty strongly worded statement there by Eric Stokes. The point is, I, I agree a lot more with McCole Hardman than I do Eric Stokes, but as an attempt of being fair and balanced, I at least wanted to show you a message from a former dog that reflects a little bit different opinion than what we had had on the show here before. So with all that said, there's a lot going on here at UGA. Getting ready for the uh, start of the uh, National Signing Day next Wednesday. Transfer portal still running wild around UGA, the rest of the SEC, and here on Dog Nation Daily, we're going to do our part to cover all that for you as much as we possibly can. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Hello to you, and thanks for being with us, no matter how you get to us today. 945, first and 15, on our Dog Nation app and dognation.com. 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Of course, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, the ref, podcast form, wherever you find them. And I've got some good news. Now, I know this has been a little bit of a saga, and sometimes things in life just kind of are. But for a while, we had an issue with folks trying to listen to the podcast at the worldfamousdognation.com. I would say that 90-something percent of the people who listen to the podcast listen via a traditional podcast player, Apple, Spotify, something like that. But there are people, they're already on dognation.com. 
it's just kind of convenient to listen to the show right there on the site. And that's why we deliver the show via that platform. We try to make the show available on as many platforms as we can, even some platforms I can't even find. We just try to do make the show available everywhere as much as possible. The DogNation.com thing admittedly has not been working very well. I had tried to put a YouTube link to work around that. But the point is this. Finally, after talking to a lot of people who are way smarter than me, I do believe that is now fixed. I've been told that the issue where the show stops after five minutes, whatever else, that's not going to happen anymore. So we take it very seriously. Your feedback, we had gotten some strongly worded feedback about the show not really working on dognation.com, and we have been working to get that fixed, and I'm happy to say I believe that is indeed what we did. So we have a special thing for you today. Mike Griffith, normally with us on Wednesday, will be back with us again next time. We're going to have former Georgia wide receiver Sean Bailey in the show. Now, Michael, I'm also running a little bit late here. Uh, we normally do around the doghouse here this time, and I think we have a fun around the doghouse I want to look at here in a moment. But can we do this? Can we do this out of order? Can we go ahead and bring Sean on the show, and then we'll do af- around the doghouse after that? Because uh, I'm running a little late, and I don't want to keep him waiting. Uh, I think Sean's going to be a fun guest. For those of you that are maybe not aware, Sean was a very good player at Georgia. Had a very big game for the Dogs, 2005 SEC Championship. We've talked to him about that before. He's also a big fan of the program. You know, Sean, a, a, a sharp guy like him, former wide receiver, also a very important voice in a time like this where the wide receiver position at Georgia is very much a part of the conversation. And so we'll do some of this with Terrence Edwards tomorrow as we have the last few weeks. Ter- Terrence said some very pointed words. We'll have more on Terrence today on the show coming up there too. So so we'll do a lot of that, but getting a chance to hear from some of these voices of guys who who just know the situation, what it's what it feels like to catch touchdowns in the SEC level and and what it means to play wide receiver at this level. We have a chance to talk to people like that. Obviously we're gonna take the chance to do that. So with that in mind, here on Dog Nation Daily with a busy show to follow, let's get ready to say hello to former Georgia wide receiver Sean Bailey on the program right now. And it is a uh, great pleasure to speak to Sean Bailey, a uh, just a great former player. One of my happy memories as a dog fan is Sean's performance in the 2005 SEC title game over the years. We've talked a lot about that. And obviously the wide receiver position has been very much in the discussion for Georgia the last few days. So why not bring on another guy who knows what it takes to get it done this level? That's what Sean is. Sean, thanks for taking the time to be with us here today. Hope you're doing well. And I certainly appreciate you uh, sharing some of your time with us. Oh, definitely. No, my, my pleasure. So let me begin with this. It's obviously been a happy time for dog fans over the last few weeks. Uh, as alumnus of the program yourself, how did it feel to see Georgia bring home that national championship uh, back at the beginning of this month? How much fun was that for you, knowing just how long UGA fans have waited for this moment? Oh, it was special. Um, it, it's a, it was a long time coming. Um, you know, it's uh, although, you know, I'm removed by – by 15, 15, 20 years or so, uh, it just it felt you know as if I was I was playing. That's how uh, heartfelt that moment was. It was uh, it was awesome to take in. Yeah, I've talked to some former players such as yourself, and one of the things I do hear from from time to time is when you're playing in the game, you have something to occupy your nerves, your anxiety. You have something to kind of focus your attention on. You don't have time to think about the magnitude of the moment because you've got a tackle to make or a ball to catch or something like that you've got something to to do that keeps you from being too worked up from an energy level but for a lot of the former players I've heard from who had nothing to do on this Monday night other than watch this game they were tied in knots way more watching this team play than they ever were when they were playing themselves because 
you've kind of got nothing to do with that energy when you're sitting on your couch or sitting in the stadium and watching the game unfold. Did you find yourself feeling that way at all? Uh, yeah, you described it uh, to the T. Um, I was fortunate enough to be uh, be in the stadium and, and got to, to watch it live and just feel the atmosphere and all that stuff. And, and as you as you said, you know, playing, um, you know, I think when I was a freshman, I was a little bit nervous here or there. Um, but as you got used to it, it was just, you know, just a normal game, you know, playing an SEC championship, some big games like that. Um, you never really felt uh, the way I did as a, as a fan, you know, that, that nervous energy, that, that twitching. Um, you know, like you said, you have, your mind is, you know, on the game. Your mind is on that, that drive or that play. Um, and you just don't allow yourself to kind of get outside that moment. But, uh, you know, sitting there where, where you, you don't have any kind of control of anything, you're just, you're just spectating, you're just watching, you can feel every, you know, up and every down, and it, it's, a, it's a roller coaster, uh, especially when it's a, a close game like it was. Um, but, you know, the emotions are, are special, and it's, uh, you know, it's a love. Um, it, it's a fanatic love, so it, 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 was, it was awesome to be there. So obviously the wide receiver position, even in the aftermath of winning the national championship, has been a little bit of a hot topic the last few days. And since you played the position, I think your opinion on this is, is really valuable. Everyone's talking about the fact that Jermaine Burton has now chosen to transfer from Georgia, go to Alabama. The reason why, I would say, is, is obvious. Alabama does have a history of getting more prolific stats for its receivers, more so than Georgia does, even though Georgia beat Alabama. This is still an area in which Alabama has excelled. What did you make of Burton making that decision and the fact that we kind of exist in an area now, era now in college football where these kinds of choices are just more possible than, than they used to be? What do you make of this situation, Sean? Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough because, um, you know, times, times have changed. Uh, and and I, I remember when I, when I was playing, um, you, you would hear, you know, older guys talk about, you know, their day and how times were and times were different and all that stuff in the the game is evol- uh, evolving, and, and the uh, the student athlete is, is evolving. Um, you got you got money on the line now, uh, and different things. So you know, if I was to go back into into you know my time and my era, um, you know, it'd be it'd be unheard of. Um, you know, of course, you know, kids transferred. It wasn't as as much, but you know, we we got kids going to, to Florida or, or going to Alabama. These are big time SEC rivals, and you know, again, in my day of time that. That wouldn't sit right with me in the locker room, and I'm sure even at, at Alabama or Florida, you know, accepting a, a Georgia guy uh, wouldn't sit right with them. But uh, but you know, we gotta we gotta move on with the times, and, and this is where we're at. You know, kids are, are different, and um, in the atmosphere and college programs are different. You know, you know, we as Georgia, we accept you know the Clemson guys that come, the West Virginia guys that come. Um, so Alabama's gonna accept Burton, and it's just a, it's just a different time. So. Uh, you know, as a as a older school person now, you know it, it it feels funny. It doesn't doesn't seem, you know, something that that would naturally occur. But again, you know, you got to adjust with the times. Kirby's doing a good job of adjusting with the times and, and getting in the portal himself. So you know, that's just the game that we're, that we're, we're living in right now. So we got to got to deal with it. I think one of the most difficult decisions that Kirby Smart probably faces is who plays, how much they play. For instance, in the case of Georgia, I don't think anybody can deny that the offensive system that Georgia employed this season worked. Georgia scored nearly 40 points per game. They obviously won the national championship, and they also did so in a way in which the defense was able to thrive there as well. Some of the teams that seem to throw it the most, defense seems to suffer. For Georgia, both sides of the ball seem to work pretty well. But even within the context of that, Sean, 
there is a debate that goes on. And frankly, I listen to one person say one thing and one person say another thing. And I think both sides kind of make a pretty good point on this. The Georgia, historically, for the most part, under Smart, has rotated a lot at receiver, where a lot of people get to play. It's pretty common to see nine guys catch a ball in one game for Georgia. They're rotating, getting a lot of folks involved. But on the other hand, a lot of guys, including Burton, who's obviously a talented player, maybe they don't play as much at Georgia as they would play at another place. As someone like yourself who knows what it takes to play wide receiver at the SEC level, at Georgia in particular, very very successful career, what do you make of the fact that Georgia does rotate at wide receiver a lot? Is that in your mind more of a good thing or more of a thing that maybe Georgia should reconsider in the future? Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a combination of things. Um, I think that you know we have a lot of uh, extremely talented receivers. Um, you know, and, and Pickens was was that guy that um, was was a, a game breaker and a game changer. And I, and I think had he been healthy, he would have been a guy that was featured um, and maybe not as rotated uh, as much. Um, but then you got a lot of guys that are uh, you know have a little bit different uh, things they bring to the table, um, and, and it's a good mix to, to rotate them and, and all that stuff. So, uh, you know, I think I don't think Kirby is um, – like if he has that – he has that guy, that that that, uh, that A.J. Green, um, yeah. you know, type type player, that he's going to feature that guy, and that guy's not going to come off the field. Um, but if he has a lot of complementary players um, that, that are, are good and, and have different things that they, um, they highlight – um, you know he's going to find ways to use them and, and mix it up, and I think that's that. That just has been our situation um, as of late. We we really haven't had outside of George Pickens again. He's been hurt. Um, you know that 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 feature guy that uh, that demands to be on the on the field, demands you know eight 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 um, targets a game, um, so to speak. Where you know Alabama's had had some some early first round um, draft picks that are going to be you know top ten, top fifteen picks. I and mean, it's just a different situation. Uh, so, you know, as a recruit, you know, I would Georgia's, you know, they, they run a pro-style offense. They're going to get the ball out there. And if you're that guy, you're going to come in and you're going to have um, the ability to be uh, be featured. Um, so, I, you know, I wouldn't shy away from it or think that Kirby's, you know, only going to rotate you uh, and you're not going to be featured. Uh, you just have to prove, prove that um, you can be that guy and, and he will feature you. Let me do one more thing, Sean, before we let you go, and I certainly appreciate your time here today. The other thing that kind of exists around the wide receiver position for Georgia right now is there's an open coaching position there, and there's been some talk amongst fans. They wouldn't mind seeing a a former Georgia wide receiver get some consideration, whether it's Heinz Ward, who has worked in NFL staff, now wide receivers coach at FAU, or Terrence Edwards, who's a friend of our program and a guy that I I know you know who – uh, you know, works at Pace Academy, works as an individual coach with a lot of the players have actually gone to the Georgia roster. Some chatter about a guy like Brian McClendon also being in the mix here, who I know you know there as well. I mean, what do you make about the the desire of on the part of a lot of fans to see a former Georgia receiver get some consideration to be the guy that helps get the most out of these receivers going forward? I mean, those, those three guys, um, I, I think it's, in my opinion, uh, and of course, you know, Kirby has to do his due diligence and, and he, this is what he does for a living. So, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to trust whatever decision he makes. Um, but as, as somebody who's pretty familiar with the three of those guys, uh, I, I would say all three of them are, uh, you, you would be home runs. Um, you know, you can't just be a, 
uh, a Georgia guy and just get in. You, you know, the Georgia guy is a, a, a bonus, but uh, but as you as you said, um, you know, Terrence is is working on a day to day basis with, uh, with with the guys that are uh, trying to get to that to that level as far as the high school receivers. He's the offensive coordinator at Pace Academy. Uh, he does you know FBU camps and travels around the country and he sees um, you know all the talent. Um, and he's a uh, he's a technician. He he he, he coaches the, the little details. Uh, and then again, being a, a Georgia alum, his, his passion, um, being from the state of Georgia and all that stuff is there. So he's a home run. Um, Brian McClendon, uh, you know, I played with with Brian, and, and he, he's come up. Um, he showed that on the on the college level, he can go out and recruit and recruit and also develop. Um, he's been an offensive coordinator at the college level. Um, he's been on the on the East Coast. On the West Coast, um, he's been on the Georgia staff. Uh, he's another, um, you know, homegrown Georgia guy. Um, so you know that just gives that that extra thing. And then uh, you know Heinz Ward, you know he he has probably the longest uh, NFL career out of out of all the guys. He's another Georgia guy, born and raised. Um, he's you know got the experience um, by by being in the NFL for a couple of years now down in Florida, uh, coaching on, on the college level. Um, so between those three guys, it would be an extremely tough decision. Um, I'm I'm rooting, hoping that uh, you know one of those three guys is the one that comes through. Uh, but I think it you know it's not just a, a oh they played at Georgia, so give them the, the job. It's no they've uh, they've cut their teeth, they developed guys, um, they've been coaching and all that stuff. So they 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 deserve deserve the job as well. Not just let's just give it to them because they they played at Georgia. Sean, this is a fascinating conversation. I appreciate your insight on all of this, and obviously we remember your career, and every time you stop by here, we always have so much fun with you. So thank you so much for being a part of the show here at Dog Nation Daily today, and hope we get a chance to talk to you again very soon. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on, and I look forward to the next time. All right, good stuff there from Sean Bailey, former Georgia wide receiver, and Interesting to hear him say that. I know we're a little bit out of order from compared to what we normally do, but we'll kind of transition now into an around the doghouse uh, furnished today by our friends at Rooms to Go. But very interesting to hear Bailey say, "Hey, I know Heinz Ward, and I think he'd be great at this job. I know Terrence Edwards, and also he lays out the resumes here. This is a guy that that, that knows these guys uh, very well, and lays out all the reasons why he thinks that uh, Terrence Edwards would be good for that job, and then also talking about that." And the person of Brian McClendon here too, who's I think kind of always been in the chatter here, always been as a part of this discussion. And of the three former dogs that we'll mention here for this, he is the one that has I would say the most traditional resume. You know, Ward Edwards, a little bit of a non-traditional choice in that you know they haven't yet been uh, position coaches at the SEC level; they haven't quite had that. McClendon, by comparison, he's been on the Georgia staff you know, before, for instance. Um, it is a little bit more of a traditional coach. And, you know, we did talk to uh, Terrence Edwards about this last Thursday. And I just asked him directly. I said, you know, Terrence, there are a lot of Georgia fans that want you to be wide receivers coach. And is this the kind of thing that that you would want to do? Now, you have to understand the full context of all of this, that in a fishbowl, everybody would want to coach at a place like Georgia who, who wouldn't. But I've also had – former SEC assistants at different places other than Georgia just across the league, one of the things they will tell you is is that the time demands are, even though you know going into it, it's going to be a lot, it is still almost more than you can fathom. When you see the expectations, the list of things they think that you 
should do for them each and every day, and a lot of this is outreach to future recruits, of course, that even understanding it's going to be a big time commitment, when you see the, the daily task list that must be accomplished, even that can still be overwhelming and all that. And Terrence is in a time in his life when he has young kids and he's got you know a, a family. And so we said, understanding the context, the fact that you are raising a family and obviously succeeding at the, at, at the level, high school and, and personal coaching level and, and all the things that, that you're doing, is this something that you would truly want to do? And I'll give Terrence a lot of credit for giving a very candid answer. This is him from Dog Nation Daily last Thursday. Of course, I would love to, to coach on the college level. I would love to uh, go to Georgia as the receiver coach or at some capacity. I would love that. That would be the sweetest thing, uh, I think, for me and my family. Uh, my wife is a Georgia uh, alumnus. My kids love it. You know, everyone knows my brother, my brother's wife, Tracy. My wife's mother uh, went to grad school. So my whole family is Georgia. We we bleed red and black. And, and if that's in, in the cards, I would love it. Uh, do I love what I do now? I love coaching at Pace Academy. I was the offense coordinator at Pace Academy this year. I love doing my wide receiver training, uh, developing young kids to – so I think my my uh, knock as a coach is a developer, and I would love to be on the college level to do that. So I am really glad that Terrence gave the answer that he gave. I'm glad that he was as candid about that as he was. And it actually kind of reminds me a little bit of what Heinz Ward told me going back years ago, that when Kirby Smart first got hired at Georgia, Heinz Ward – in much the same matter-of-fact way that Terrence says that. Now, by the way, the the clip from Terrence was longer than what I, what I just played. That um, that you know, I, I just for the sake of time, you can't play the whole thing. He also went in the, in, in the same you know conversation, talk about how he does have a family, he does have those things to consider. So he's not necessarily free to go work at like say just make up some school, Sam Houston State. It's not like Terrence is in a place in his life right now where he says, I'm so committed to being a college coach, I'm going to go work at Sam Houston State or Portland State or, or a place like that, start at the very bottom and travel around. You know, A lot of these coaches move from job to job to job to job to job before they finally kind of move into that thing. Terrence is just a little, bit of a, station, a little bit different station of life, and so he talked a little bit more openly about that. But, but very candidly says, if I had the chance to do something like this, of course I'd want to. I believe my strength is – I developed a Reed Gilbert. I developed uh, Justin Robinson. I developed Jermaine Burton. Uh, you know, working over the years with you know Tavares King and, and guys like that who've you know played the high college level, played the NFL level. This is what Terrence does. He says this is what 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 I bring. Terrence is also a great advocate for players, so we understand the way in which a lot of times these position coaches are the the go between, the insulation from the from the head coach who has a lot to think about and keeping all his players happy can't always be top of mind for him. The position coach is a little bit more of a of an advocate for the players than his position group. We know Terrence would be good at that part of it, and so it's really nice to hear Terrence be as candid about that as he was. It does kind of remind you a little bit, as I said before, of what Heinz Ward told me way back in, like, say, you know, late 2015, early 2016, when Kirby Smart first got hired and Ward kind of put his hand in the air and said, I want to be his wide receivers coach. And I think there was a, a time in which – some of that from Ward was disregarded because at the time he wasn't a coach. At the time he was just a rich dude who, you know, maybe some people thought just kind of looked at college football coaching as kind of a cool gig of like, hey, I'm bored. I, you know, I can only play so much golf, so let me just go be a be a position coach at a place like Georgia. Trust me when I tell you, it is not for the half committed. As I said before, 
I had a former SEC assistant tell me that his head coach told him that he needed to write 100 handwritten notes per day. Like, in addition to just knowing a bunch about football, he had to have penmanship. He had to write notes, a hundred of them, every single day to recruit. So this is not the kind of thing that if, you know, if you're a rich guy who's just bored, you know, being a position coach in a place like the SEC is not necessarily going to be for you. And some people uh, maybe assume that Hines Ward misunderstood what he was getting into by basically throwing his hat into the ring. But since then, Ward has proven to be someone who's more than just a, hey, I'm kind of shooting off the mouth about this he went and worked as a relatively low staffer for the New York Jets he's now at Florida Atlantic this is a guy who may be in a slightly different position in his life where he is willing to bounce around a little bit he is willing to go down to Core Gables and work at FAU or 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 at a place like that to demonstrate that he wants to earn his stripes he wants to he wants to to beat the lowest level of this sport whether at the NFL college level as a way of maybe eventually getting into uh, a situation like this. Now, I say all of that to say this, is that I'm a little bit of a Terrence Edwards homer, so I'll openly tout for him to get the job. That's just I'm not even going to pretend to be anything uh, objective on that. I love Terrence. I'd love to see him get it. Also, I have really great respect for the way in which a guy like Heinz Ward has um, done what he did. It reminds me a little bit of probably like Deion Sanders some, but the other thing it kind of reminds me of is Patrick Ewing. We don't talk a lot of basketball on this show. <laughs> this is kind of a football show, although shout out to the uh, the the dogs last night taking care of business against Alabama. We'll do more of that before we're done. Uh, the point here is, though, like Patrick Ewing, you know, said, hey, I want to be a coach. And everybody kind of rolled their eyes. Oh, Patrick Ewing, not going to be a coach. But look at all the things they did. You know, he was um, on the bench for a bunch of years. Like I'm talking about, uh, you know, low level assistant, the NBA level. You know, this is Patrick Ewing, basketball Hall of Famer, but he's basically just doing his you know his thing as a very low level modest assistant coach at the NBA level and sure enough works his way up over and over finally head coaches on modern Georgetown you see a lot of these big name athletes who are rich enough they don't have to work but they kind of want to be a coach and they do the hard work necessary to become a coach and I think Heinz Ward's kind of doing that right now I think it's actually a fairly inspiring story but the the issue at Georgia right now might be Let's just be face. Let's just be be candid here for a moment. Georgia needs improved wide receiver play. Georgia fans want the wide receiver position to be as successful as the other position groups in the program are. Now, while I do think Georgia fans take that too far sometimes, and I do think there's a relatively odd obsession with wide receiver play in comparison to the overall success the Georgia program is having, fans in general aren't wrong to say. It'd be nice if if this position group was as successful as the other position groups. And so from that standpoint, maybe a little bit more of a traditional choice is what wins out now. If you want to keep it just to the ranks of former Georgia players, maybe the Brian McClendon resume because he has been a recruiter. Maybe that ends up winning out this time. I mean, if you want to go back and look at McClendon's time at South Carolina alone, they won some recruiting battles that Georgia wanted to win. If you just want to focus on receiver alone right now, would you have liked to have Josh Van from Tucker High School in a Georgia uniform, especially with the way he played against you this past season? Would you have liked to have had that? That's a recruiting battle that McClendon won while he was at South Carolina. And you know, talk about you know Marshawn Lloyd, things like that. You, you can do that too. But just at the wide receiver position alone, McClendon's won some recruiting battles that Georgia would have liked to have won um, while McClendon was working somewhere else. So Ultimately, McClendon may be the more traditional choice, and if you're going to keep this to the to the universe of former Georgia players, that 
might win out for now, but it would not surprise me. It would really not surprise me if we have the same conversation a few years from now that Terrence Edwards is uh, a, a part of that conversation again with maybe even more consideration then than he, than he might get now. Or, or Heinz Ward is a part of that conversation in the future in a way that uh, maybe there's a thought, he's not quite ready yet, maybe not quite seasoned on that yet, but heading in that direction to, to do some of those kinds of things. Either way, I understand why Georgia fans like the idea of former Georgia players as Georgia coaches. I, I do kind of understand that, all things being equal. I guess I probably enjoy that too. And the good news is between McClendon, who's a part of this conversation, Heinz Ward, who has been a part of this conversation for years, and Terrence Edwards, who justifiably is a part of this conversation now there as well, there's a pretty good crop of uh, Georgia former Georgia players who truly could be on the staff at some point in time in the future. We'll make that around the doghouse. It's furnished today by our friends at rooms to go And listen, when you're talking about filling out a coaching staff, that's obviously not an easy thing to do. Same way when it comes to filling out a room there as well. We are in a time in which a lot of you, we've had a kind of a very active real estate market the last you know however many months however, you know a couple of years and that means a lot of you are in a new home and when you move into a new home it can be a little bit um jarring it's kind of like our, i'm in a relatively new studio here too and i look around the studio i see a lot of bare walls and we just haven't had time to decorate this way we kind of like to we're new into the place and in your home you're kind of the same way you look around you say hey one of these days i'm going to you know have this thing all decked out and looking good but for now we're just kind of trying to get settled in well one of these days may be now when it comes to our friends at rooms to go because whether you need just that single piece of furniture or you do need to do what rooms to go is famous for which is furnishing the whole thing the entire room rooms to go's got you on that i'm talking about whether it be living room furniture or dining room furniture uh your children's bedroom your own bedroom Whatever you want to do around the house, Rooms to Go's got you covered on all of that. Outdoor furniture there as well. You love the uh, outdoor living space, the patio stuff, the the, the just the, 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 all the cool ways in which folks are taking advantage of their outdoor living space right now. All of that is really fun. Rooms to Go can get you taken care of with all of that. Whether you want to stop by and see them inside one of their showrooms and sit on the furniture, touch it, feel it, imagine what it would be like in your own home, or if you'd rather just start your shopping experience online at roomstogo.com. Of course, the word two spelled out T-O, roomstogo.com. Rooms to Go has got you covered. They've been furnishing around the doghouse for us all year long, and they can furnish your home as well. Accent piece, individual piece of furniture, or the entire room, let Rooms to Go take care of all of you on that. So if you're just joining us on video, radio, something like that, we went a little bit out of order a little bit today in that we talked to Sean Bailey a little earlier. Mike Griffith's on vacation. We'll get Mike again next week. It was really fun to have Sean on the show a moment ago. Great stuff about McClendon and Terrence and Hines Ward, their candidacy as Georgia's wide receiver coach. And I think some pretty realistic thoughts. I mean, remember, Sean Bailey's a guy who caught two touchdowns in a SEC championship win for Georgia. So when it comes to opinion on wide receiver, that's a pretty credible voice. And he shared his thoughts on, you know, the Burton thing and kind of what's next for Georgia wide receiver. If you missed that, go back and, and, and hear that. Uh, pretty interesting stuff from him. But for now, let's kind of move on to the rest of the show. All the rest of the SEC stuff, uh, things happening around the league right now, mocking Alabama. After its basketball loss to Georgia, a lot of fun stuff to do before the show concludes. So what do you say? Here on Dog Nation Daily, we roll on and do that right now. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Great to be able to have you here for our SEC Through, and great to say that we are cruising around the SEC 
courtesy of Royal Caribbean. I can say that my wife and I have been talking a lot about Royal Caribbean cruises as of late because it's going to be a big year on the seas for Royal Caribbean. It's going to be a big year for us being on those Royal Caribbean cruise ships, and I'm ready for it. I love doing the show each and every day. Totally uh, acknowledge that. However, every now and then, I kind of get a little bit ready for a little bit of a vacation there, too. It just sort of, I'm the kind of guy I can't go too long without being in the sunshine. I can't go too long without being near a beach, on the water, something like that. That's just what my body kind of craves. And obviously, seeing this video each and every day of all the fun stuff happening around Royal Caribbean cruise ships makes me feel that way even more. Such a beautiful fleet of ships, including brand new ships like the Odyssey of the Seas and so many cool things. And so many of those ships going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. You've heard me talk about this before. The amazing private island that's there in the Bahamas, which is exclusive for those on a Royal Caribbean cruise ship. And that matters because... One of the things you'll hear, all kinds of chatter about just how much fun Perfect Day Coco Cay is. There's a thrill side, there's a chill side. The thrill side is like the greatest water park you've ever seen, and it's amazing that it's actually right there in the middle of the Bahamas, but uh, it's an amazing water park, tallest water slide in North America, largest freshwater pool in the Bahamas. There's a chill side, which is you know more like the floating cabana type thing to be frank that's probably more of my deal i probably would enjoy the floating cabanas more than anything else uh my kids though they love the water park and all that kind of stuff they're dying to get there and see that themselves so we love royal caribbean cruise ships because of the fun i mean you know, let's let's face it uh you know we all need a lot more things to look forward to in our lives especially as we move towards the upcoming new year in that year right now and so royal caribbean cruise ships one of the things i'm looking forward to here in 2022 so when you're booking your own Royal Caribbean cruise, my invitation is check out the Cruise and Vacation Authority. It's tcava.com. That's tcava.com. That's the website. Or you can also give them a call, 770-952-8300. That's 770-952-8300. I'm telling you right now, they'll set you up. They'll get you on board and give you all the tips and tricks you need to make your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation the best it can possibly be. With that said, let's uh, go on now with our SEC through here, cruising around the SEC with Royal Caribbean and you know sometimes the transport portal giveth sometimes it taketh away we know that in the case of Alabama it has given to them in the person of Jamar Gibbs and in the person uh, obviously former Georgia Tech running back Jermaine Burton a few days ago but also reports coming out that Kamara Wheaton former five-star running back signee he's now on his way out of Alabama now for the Crimson Tide if it's a trade of an inexperienced Wheaton for an experienced Gibbs in the short term that probably probably works out to the Crimson Tide's benefit. No no denying that. But in a day and age in which negative recruiting is a big part of what goes on around college football, I do believe the way in which teams use the portal is going to be noticed. In other words, you remember the old office supply thing where it's the easy button? You, know, you push the easy button. I think for coaches that use the transfer portal as too much of an easy button of, hey, we have a chance to get better. We're going to go to the portal and get that guy. We're also going to log jam and block the chance at playing time for young players in this program. People are going to notice that, whether Georgia does that or Alabama does that or whoever else does that, that there are some programs that simply don't care. I mean, there's a lot of FCS-level programs that don't even sign high school players anymore. There's a lot of low-level group of five teams that don't really sign a lot of high school players anymore. Uh, there are, you know, division and conference-level group of five teams that are more relying on the transfer portal than the high school ranks themselves. There are some programs, in other words, that have gone all in on transfer portal, but the very best programs are not going to do that. The very best programs are still going to use high school recruiting as their number one mechanism to bring in players because 
What you hope is, is that by doing the hard work necessary to bring in a high school player, you can keep him for at least a couple of years, if not three years, and in some cases even four years, whereas the transfer portal only invites you to do the same level of work in a new player one year later in most cases. So for those programs that still want to be top-flight programs in recruiting high school talent, when you use the recruiting portal to the detriment of the high school players that you sign, programs are going to notice that. So how you how you use the portal when you need it without using the portal so much that it kind of tarnishes your reputation amongst the next generation of high school players, that will be watched pretty closely here, whether it's Georgia or Alabama or anything else. By the way, speaking of transfer portal, there's some chatter as of late that Caleb Williams could be in play for Wisconsin. I have no – Caleb Williams, of course uh, – uh, former Oklahoma quarterback in the transfer portal. A lot of folks thought he was going to just kind of follow Lincoln Riley to USC. Eventually, that's what he might do. There have been some Georgia fans wondering, well, could uh, could Williams be in the mix here for UGA? You know, ne- never have quite, quite known what to think about that necessarily. But now all of a sudden you see Wisconsin emerge as a possibility. And all I can really do is shrug about this there as well. I mean, this is one of those things where I guess we won't truly know what he's doing until he does at USC. Probably remains the point spread favorite in all of this. I guess it's fair to point out that Wisconsin's done pretty well to transfer a quarterback before when Russell Wilson left NC State to go to, to Madtown. It worked out pretty well then. So maybe back in uh, competition for a guy like Caleb Williams right now. Who knows on that? And then one final story here. One of the things that you get a lot in the SEC, and one of the reasons why we love the SEC, I'm sure we'll do a little bit more of this on SEC Country Live later on this afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern time, the tug of war between programs when it comes to assistant coaches. That you know, you've always got one program trying to poach from somebody else, and that just kind of thing kind of goes on a little bit. Recently, Ole Miss did take Sam Clark, cornerback's coach, away from Arkansas. One of the things we've said that Sam Pittman's done really well is hold on to his assistant coaches. Uh, you know, especially at the coordinator level, you know, seems to have won the battle to keep Kendall Browse this year, won the battle to keep Barry Odom a year ago. But Sam Clark did leave his cornerbacks coach to go to Ole Miss. Ole Miss has had its uh, assistant coaching staff completely raided so far this offseason. And so now it looks like Dominique Bowman, who's most recently at Marshall, he may be the replacement there for Pittman. I realize this is kind of down in the weeds in terms of SEC coaching staff movings. But I did want to make sure we gave it to you just so we could say that we did. And we'll also take some time to say that is Cruiser on the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me also give a a couple of shout-outs here just for a moment. Our friends at The Finish Long Drink. Of course, we love The Finish Long Drink because, let's face it, it tastes good. It is a ready-to-drink cocktail that comes right out of a can. That's kind of cool, right? It looks like a beer, but it's not a beer. It's a ready-to-drink cocktail and it's delicious. I think you're going to really enjoy it yourself. In fact, a lot of you have tried the eight-can variety pack, which is two different cans of the four varieties of the finished long drink. There's a traditional, comes in a blue can. It's got a gin kick with kind of a grapefruit flavor. There's the long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. I know some of y'all like that. Uh, long drink zero, zero carbs, zero sugar, long drink cranberry. My wife loves that. Uh, just whatever your mood is, your taste is, there is a version of the finished long drink for you. So if you go to the longdrink.com, Put in your zip code. You can find out where you can pick some up. A lot of folks back on golf courses again. The finished long drink's been very popular here uh, on golf courses in the Atlanta area for a good long while. It's warm enough now that you've been able to play some, and you can enjoy yourself some finished long drink while you do. Bars, beverage stores, all of that. Just go to thelongdrink.com, and you can do that there. Let me also give you a couple of golden shoes here before we sign off today because there was a pretty cool moment last night. Admittedly, sometimes maybe we don't do as much basketball around here as we should, 
I grew up a very big college basketball fan. It just seems like the football conversation has gotten so big it becomes hard to squeeze anything else into a show. But I do want to give a shout-out to Tom Crean and the Georgia men's basketball team for getting its first SEC win last night over Alabama. That's a big upset. Georgia was 13, 14-point underdog. Am I right about this? Double digits, I believe, if nothing else. We got a big win uh, last night, and I think we have a couple of golden shoes that we can share to shout this out. Uh, our buddy Mad Dog, who's had a few of these over the course of time, says, uh, just like football, which you love to see, and he's got the agony of defeat there with Ugga going after. Is it Big Al? Is that the name of the elephant? Is that Big Al there? But nonetheless, just like football indeed, as Georgia gets a celebratory win against Alabama in basketball last night, and it's fun to watch. Georgia fans have another thing to kind of brag about when it comes to its uh, its – you know, arch nemesis, the Alabama Crimson Tide, kind of a nice thing to consider there on that. I believe we have another golden shoe we can show you there, too. So uh, Jim Triglio, uh, Triglio shared this with me. He says, hey, Brandon, updating the hat collection out with the old and in with the new. And so what you see here on the video, the, the, the picture in front of you is it's the brand new 2021 National Champions hat alongside the old 1980 National Champions hat. Now, what I put on Twitter in response to Jim on this was, I love seeing the side-by-side image of the old national title hat and the brand new one just looks good together. But I said, hey, if you're really throwing out the old hat, I probably know a few thousand folks that wouldn't mind taking that off your hands. And Jim said, no, 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 I'm not I'm not throwing out it. I'm just not going to be wearing it as much anymore because I'm going to be wearing this one instead. Because I got to tell you, maybe it's just my own personality, but how cool does that block G, the old school hat look right there, the mesh back, uh, sort of almost a little bit of a trucker style almost. I mean, that's a cool hat. Not to say that the 2021 is not cool, but that old school national champions hat, a little bit like the old G from the old baseball hats, the one they won the title in in 1990, a little bit of a similar style G. I'm telling you right now, that is an artifact right there, a very cool hat all the way around. So we'll give you a golden shoe for that. In fact, we may even trade you the golden shoe for that hat if you want to. Uh, but nonetheless, congratulations to a couple of golden shoe winners for today. One more shout out before we're at the door here. Don't forget, conference title games in the pro football ranks coming up on Sunday. Big day for action there. Great chance for you to get some action down on the game when it comes to our friends at BetUS. America's most beloved sports book. Been that way for more than 25 years. The way you become that way is by taking good care of your players. That's what BetUS will do for you. So go to BetUS.com, use the promo code DN125, DN125, and you can get 125% sign-up bonus. That means that when you put money in your account, BetUS is going to put more money in your account to start things off. So you put in 100 bucks, they're going to give you 125. You got 225. You're literally a winner before you even make your first bet, before you even win your first bet. So check out betus.com and use the promo code DN125 for a big 125% sign up bonus. So we had a lot of recruiting stuff on the show off the top here today and I'll invite you tonight to check out Jeff Sintel before the Hedges presented by Kroger and you can get a lot more of those final maneuverings for the dogs before National Signing Day is upon us next Wednesday. Jeff will have good stuff for you tonight before the Hedges by Kroger on all of that. Also, Sean Bailey, great stuff from the former Georgia wide receiver today in place of Mike Griffith. Mike taking a little vacation time. He'll be back with us again, I believe, next week, and I'm sure back on the site here again. No telling when, but uh, we'll look forward to hearing from Mike then there at that point in time. I'll see you this afternoon as well, 3 p.m. Eastern time for SEC Country Live. All the big stuff happening around the SEC. We'll do that for you this afternoon on SEC Country Live. Can't wait to do that then. By the way, lousy stinking Gators. Always nice to give them a reminder. 
long national title drought now, 4,766 days since they've even come close to sniffing a national title. And in Jacksonville, 276 days from now, they tote home another L. At that is our Gator Hater Countdown. We will see you tomorrow here on Dog Nation Daily. And on the podcast, I'm now the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. As I mentioned in the regular broadcast, by the way, uh, our long national nightmare is over, apparently. And I want to make sure you tell me this is indeed true. The thing where if you listen at the browser, now if you listen Apple, Spotify, you have no issue with this whatsoever. That's what most of you do. But some of you do like to listen via the browser at dognation.com. And it's been stopping and starting over again after like, say, five minutes. I am being told that is no longer going to be an issue. So you tell me if you find that out to be sure, but I believe that is now fixed because people smarter than me are on the job. A couple of comments here. So I have said as of late that I don't see a real threat to Georgia on the regular season schedule for 2022, and I've even suggested that Georgia could be a double-digit favorite in each and every game next season. I did get an interesting comment from Drew Pilgrim who says on Twitter, that I wouldn't just discount Tennessee yet. Their offense will score points. We have a lot to replace on defense. That's true. Uh, Tennessee is very good offense. They scored more points per game last year than Georgia did. They were, you know, Georgia was ninth uh, in, in scoring last season. Nationally, Tennessee was was better than that. So clearly, offensively, they've done a lot. I do think one of the things that was also interesting with the Vols last year was, while the offense statistically was the was the big unit and got a lot of attention justifiably, they probably actually played over their heads a little bit defensively last year. Um, think about all they lost, all those guys that left the program once Jeremy Pruitt was out. And they were pretty deficient on that side of the ball. And they actually ended up being at least semi-competent defensively. They were clearly playing hard. Some of the people I know in Knoxville were actually pretty complimentary of that, even if the results themselves weren't always great. So I think the commenter here mentions a pretty good point. And what I would say is, uh, I am just kind of curious to see then, you know, how the roster shakes out once the transfer portal stuff stabilizes and once we have a pretty good idea of who's going to be playing where next season. What does Tennessee look like on the defensive side of the ball? Because we're also in that time of year where there's a there's some discussion that begins of, hey, who may be a better team but maybe not quite have as good a record. And I'm not quite ready yet to say Tennessee's going to be that, but for teams like South Carolina and Tennessee that overachieved in year one just even matching that for a second year is actually probably a little bit bigger full meal to eat than sometimes we maybe give it credit for dc dog writes in at dognation.com to say this sometimes i wonder about you on one hand he says to me you worry about replacing kobe dean after replacing uh azizo jalari and he replaced roquan smith first of all it's not quite the same position group but generally speaking i understand what you're saying he says, then in the cooldown, you talk about how the lineage on the defense, and that's the next man up. I'm confused on your stance, or as the national championship hangover confused you even more than normal. So what I would say about Georgia defensively is when you have a level of talent that's as robust as what Georgia has, there's no doubt Georgia's going to have a good defense next season, 2022. Just the longstanding track record under Kirby Smart would lead you to believe that's the case. The actual measurable talent still in the program would lead you to believe that's the case. But how closely does Georgia come to replicating what it had a year ago? And it's not just a Kobe Dean at inside linebacker. It's Quay Walker and Channing Tindall there as well. That's a position group that played about as well as anybody could. And you add that to the defensive line, which Connor Riley, I think, correctly pointed out yesterday. That was also an otherworldly performance there, too. In other words, when you lose what Georgia lost, I don't think that it's reasonable to assume that Georgia's going to fall off the map because of that. But 
how closely can you come to replicating some of that? It's going to take some big strides from guys. And, you know, just because there was a Roquan than a Nicobe does not necessarily mean that Smile Monin's the next guy in that situation. He and Jamon Dumas Johnson Johnson may be next man up, but it's not necessarily a carbon copy of the performance. Now it could be. Both those guys could eventually push themselves to be just as good as the previous guys that position were. Same thing for defensive line and things like that. But the 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 fascinating story of the offseason is going to be taking talented players that we know are likely going to be good and finding out what the window is for them actually even moving on to become great. That's what's fun about this time of year during this offseason. Great comments as part of our R.S. Andrews cool down here today. Hope all of you have a really good day, and we'll see you tomorrow back here on Dog Nation Daily.